working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Drummer Kevin Rapillo is my guest today, a combination of growing up just hours north of New York City and having a great uncle that was a professional drummer were just two things that helped nurture Kevin's interest in music. After high school, he found himself at the Berklee College of Music in Boston. After moderate success in the Boston area with bands in and out of label deals, Kevin moved to Nashville in the late 90s looking for a fresh start. Shortly after his move, Kevin met and started working with country singer Rodney Atkins in the early stages of Rodney's career. After 14 years and six number ones, Rodney's still going strong and keeps Kevin busy as a full-time touring drummer. When not touring, Kevin stays busy in town playing a, a weekly gig at the legendary Nashville Eastside Club, The Family Wash. And he works with many different songwriters, including producer and songwriter Tom Hambridge. To find out more about this podcast and other podcasts we've done, go to workingdrummer.net. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and review on iTunes. This episode is sponsored by Sakai Drums. You know the Sakai sound? Now get to know the Sakai name. Trusted around the world for almost 100 years, Sakai's devotion to craftsmanship and passion in creating the world's best quality drums is unmatched. Handcrafted in Osaka, Japan, Sakai offers the most versatile drums from the Trilogy Vintage Series to the modern almighty Japanese Birch recording kit, each boasting a distinct sound and feel. Go to SakaiDrums.com to learn why studio legends Eddie Bayers and the Smashing Pumpkins' Jimmy Chamberlain and Tedeschi Trucks Band J.J. Johnson and Tyler Greenwell choose Sakai. Elevate your sound with Sakai. SakaiDrums.com So here you go. Here is Kevin Rapillo. I've known Rodney a little more than 14 years now, okay. which is astounding. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just how the time flies with that. Yeah. Um, only last 10 or 11 mm-hmm. did he have hits, Mm-hmm. really, uh, or steady work, I should say, mm-hmm. which is still, you know, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've known him a long time. I got to know him just a quick story. I got to know him on a one-off, um, mm-hmm. 14 years ago, a good friend of mine, Mark Gillespie said, Hey, I'm this new guy on curb has a couple of gigs this weekend. Just come down on Tuesday and you know, here's the songs. Great. So I do it. I was doing a lot of that at that time, just new to Nashville, just running and gunning, you know. So just show up at the gig and show play. up at the gig. Yeah, you know, we were going to do a quick rehearsal on on a Tuesday, and then we're getting on the bus and uh, right. for the weekend. I'm like, okay. Um, so I did, and uh, and it went fine um, for me. I mean, the band was a pickup band. It was a little bit of a train wreck, you know, because everybody's was new, and you know, it's just everybody's first gig, so it wasn't exactly the most comfortable thing. Playing big country festivals. Um, of course, he was on at noon at that time, so you know nobody cared, <laughs> uh, which was good because you know it, it was a noon act. Oh boy, it was it was <laughs> something. But uh, yeah, so and here I am, fourteen years later, uh, still yeah. here. Um, I didn't know any better at the time. I was relatively new to Nashville. I'm like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, whatever. And he just kept calling me. Uh, and I kept showing up. Um, you were in a unique position to be able to work as a musician to work full-time as a musician and it's you don't want to take it for granted absolutely uh staying grateful it's not it's not the yoga podcast but you know staying grateful and, and aware yeah. of that which for me was easy uh with rodney just in particular because i knew him 
four or more years before the hits started coming. Yeah. So we're pounding it out. Yeah. We released a ton of singles. Yeah. Bands are coming and going every week. And I got two new guys on the gig every weekend mm-hmm. looking at paper that's blowing across the stage on a festival. And a guy's laying out because so you know because he doesn't know what's going on so it, yeah. you know i count the song off and it's m- myself and rodney yeah you know yeah, and everybody's yeah. laying out i'm going oh my god this is yeah. terrible uh this is such a struggle um he was always a champ through it somehow uh, <laughs> i don't know how i couldn't do it yeah i, I couldn't be him yeah. uh, it, it was i don't know how he smiled through it yeah and was was nice to people and and sang his songs while the band was train wrecking behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I had those years before. Yeah. And so that gave me perspective. Yeah. So when all of a sudden out of nowhere, this guy, you know, gets four consecutive number ones off of one record, that was astounding. But, but I also had a perspective of like, well, remember, remember last year <laughs> when we couldn't, you know, get a, you know, free coffee at mm-hmm. this point. Um, so I always had that. Pers- I still have that perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we always joke that you know before that, man, if we could only get one number one, if you could get one, we it would get us some work. Now after six number ones and multiple hits, platinum records, like man, if we could just get one more number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, you just keep working, yeah. and I always had that perspective, and it, it keeps me grateful and appreciative, and not too comfortable. Yeah. You know, so I'm comfortable right. and I'm confident in the gig. I'm not worrying about if I'm going to get fired tomorrow or something. Right. But I'm also, uh, you know, aware that, hey, it's the music business. It could go away tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, not to be, I'm not, it doesn't make me paranoid. It makes me grateful yeah. and uh, keeps me on point. Yeah. Um, and not get too just oblivious to that or overconfident thing. Yeah, I got this thing dialed in. Psh, I don't have to do anything. Well, that's not, you know, I got to. You guys had some changes recently. Yeah. So to circle so, back to so that. So how right? did you, um, what was, what was the process there? The process, you know, very unusual. We had the same guys for a long time and it was a great thing to mm-hmm. have people for that long. Yeah. Uh, it was great. And, and life changes people, everybody individually had the gig oddly enough, didn't change. Uh, people have different things going on. So I find myself without a band, mm. very unusual situation. Yeah. Not one guy, not two guys, but four. Wow. So there's five, including myself. So, uh, and gigs coming up. Yeah. Uh, which in Nashville, Tennessee, you can get people to play. Yeah. But that's not what we were trying to do. We're right. trying to build the band back. The guys that want to be around, a little bit of a long haul. Uh, as far as long term, you want people to stay on board. You don't want just subbing people every weekend. It's not that kind of gig. You want commitment. You want to be able to, the hang has to be good. All that. The playing. Hang. Yeah. Um, experience. Yeah. Um, all of it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so how do you find all that? Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, it's Nashville, Tennessee. You'd think it'd be a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. On one hand, it is. I, I You know, um, I can call some good friends. Uh, you know, maybe Rob McNally, speaking of which, that was a great podcast, by the way, uh, would do me a solid and maybe if 
and do a one-off for me if he yeah. wasn't doing anything. That's not that's not the thing. That's not what we need. Right. And you know, for those who, who who don't know, Rob was, well, he was a guitar player who we had as a guest uh, a couple episodes ago. I encourage you to check it out because his one. perspective on drums. But that's a great example because Rob, ACM guitar player of the year a couple years ago, an extremely busy session player. Right. It would be great to have him on the gig. Of course, it'd be but amazing. But he is not going to be the guy you call because he's busy. He's, he's got, got stuff to do. So, he, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, by the way, I've spent time in a van with Rob yeah, for many miles. Great and, hang. Uh, he's hilarious. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So his guitar playing is spectacular, but oh my God, I've never laughed so hard. So yeah. that's an amazing thing. Exactly. Right. So, so anyway, trying to put all those things together, mm-hmm. um, a couple of guys I knew and plugged in. Yeah. Okay. So that sort of covers me. Okay. It's not, nothing's guaranteed, but at least I can start with a friendly face mm-hmm. on fiddle. Uh, yeah. Right. So, uh, oh, we changed instrumentation too. Instead of steel, we're going to go with fiddle this time. So, uh, you know, no big deal. So, which was great because I knew a fiddle guy that I played with before. And so I could start uh, uh, with Mark and it'd be great. Um, then I have three spots, which are a little bit of question marks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start the process, and it was it was honestly a bit overwhelming. I'm 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 not going to lie. Even mm. with as much experience as I have, yeah, and, and as much as we've all done, yeah, that is a bit of a of a, of a mountain to climb a little. So bit. So did you have um, like an audition? Did you have a, where people showed up? Was it like a I, cattle call? I, I did do a little bit of an audition and I do not like them because I knew for me and I have a whole band, so I don't even have a band to audition, let's say a guitar player. Mm-hmm. So how is it going to be just me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? So I plugged two guys in on bass and acoustic mm-hmm. that I can audition, if you will, because you know management and people to to give it the right time they wanted me to just roll some people through there so i tried to get some qualified people that i didn't know mm-hmm. maybe some younger guys mm-hmm. to see what's what little bit of a disaster mm. uh was really eye opening um because what way like what happened? uh well i i think people came in not very prepared oh, wow. some people not everybody i mean yeah. um that was a bit of an eye opener. Um, people come in with, I think, expectations mm-hmm. of. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking, honestly. Uh, really? A lot, a lot of people uh, unprepared, which you know, for some younger guys, maybe isn't that unusual, um, or maybe it's a sign of the times. I don't really know. Was that surprising? That was very surprising because for me, that would be the last thing I would do. Yeah, I, I'm gonna know the three songs or the one song. I'm gonna I'm gonna just do everything I can to know it because I'm not gonna be. So what would what did you do to get them the head? Give them the heads up. What was the setup? The setup was I gave them. Uh, I think I sent out three songs. Yeah, super simple. I said pick one, play all three. I don't care. Because I, I don't think it really matters that much. That's just me. I just want to see... I have a surprised look on my face. Yeah, you do. Sorry. <laughs> He's stunned. Uh, uh, but... I forget this is a strictly audio podcast. Right, right. Uh, I'm literally surprised uh, that your, your people did not hit the show. Table. Yeah, because I, 
I wanted to make it easy for me and for them. Yeah. And I'm looking for something else. I'm not looking even that you can memorize or chart 15 songs. And how much time did they have? Oh, they had plenty of time. Uh, maybe almost two weeks. What? Week and a half. I mean, plenty of time. I gave people a lot of lead up. I, I want to make sure that... I could give them what I would want in a perfect situation. I've learned three songs since you've been here, Ken. Right. I know. I, well, mean, you, you know. I, I wish you would actually pay attention and stop charging <laughs> that stuff. Uh, it's a little off-putting. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I wanted to make people super comfortable because it's already wow. a weird situation. Auditioning, you know you've done yeah, it. Yeah. I've done it. It's never very comfortable. It's, it's not... Um, it's, it's not real world, really, in a sense yeah. where you're... It's tricky, you know, to, to... But to get them in the door... Get and, them in the door. But, but I tell you, but it, it seems like that was enough to be able to check them off the list. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. But I had one guy uh, that was listening out outside the door and decided to bag out, I guess, because we sounded good. I, I don't know. That's what he said. I'm like, well, thanks, I guess. What? Yeah. Dude, come in the room, man. Yeah. You don't yeah. come in the room and stink it up. Yeah. It'll be a great experience, even if it's a bad one. I'm not going to make it bad for you. I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to try to make you comfortable because yeah. that's good for me. Even yeah. selfishly, I want you to have at least a good experience, even if it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you can put it on the pile of right. of experience, especially if you're a younger guy. Hey, you got to come in and, mm-hmm. and try an audition. They don't happen that often. Right. Um, I love this because you're on the other end, and I think this is the first time that we've addressed this. We've talked a lot about. Uh, auditions and those types of scenarios, but never right. from uh, the other side where yeah. you are um, as band leader putting together an audition yeah. and um, and expressing that look, it's a pain in the ass for me too. Yeah, it really uh, is. And come in, let's 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 get through this together. Uh, we'll all come away a little bit better. I'll, I'll if you don't make the gig, at least we get a chance to meet. Sure. And maybe something down the road will happen. Absolutely. That's, that's, yeah. you just nailed it, right? For anybody that's listening, yeah. that is the key, if you will, not to overstate it, to Nashville. Mm. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to meet some people that you don't know. Yeah. That already is the win, mm-hmm. right? So whether you get the gig, they come and go, you get some, you don't get some. We've all been there. But you've met some people. So at mm. least if you go in and meet some, cool people uh that you didn't know that's a win so let's say that guy not coming in i didn't meet him yeah so he didn't meet me (laughs) he didn't meet the other guys in the room who were were complete waste of time oh my gosh you you just blew your own foot off for no reason like i said even if you came in and it didn't work out yeah and you just were nervous and you train wrecked it's okay i'm I'm gonna let you off the hook we're not yeah it's not life or death in here we're playing We're playing a song. Yeah. So yeah. how much could anybody get hurt? Right, right. And I really tried to tried to make it that comfortable because I know I've been on the other side many yeah. times. Mm. Some have been good. Some have been just terrible experiences yeah. or you're basically invisible. So it was a non-experience, right. you know, <laughs> it was just nothing. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and for me, you know, I'm, I kind of take it to heart. You know, I... I Try to give it everything I got. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. that's not good enough, that's okay. But I'm just going to go right. in and give it everything I got. you know. And if I'm not for you, that's, that's fine too. If it doesn't work out, if I get it, I don't get it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you kind of have to be that way. You got to get in the room. Yeah. You know, um, 
But to show so, yeah. up, pre- but anyway. to show up prepared. I show mean, up prepared. At the very Just, least. I gave you, I, I gave you very little homework. Oh my gosh! One, I even gave yeah. you the choice. Learn yeah. one, learn three. I'm not even going to judge. Yeah. If you just learned one, right? That's fine with me. We'll yeah. play that song three, four times. Yeah, actually, kind of a better. You can get a better picture in a concentrated, um, um, as opposed to trying to bang through ten songs. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, that's right, that right. just becomes torture. I think for everybody yeah. a little bit. Uh, well, as Rob McNally likes to say, uh, then what happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> the guitar slot was a little tricky, mm. which you'd think in Nashville, Tennessee, would be a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. But uh, And let me ask you, what were you listening for from a guitar player? That's a great question. Yeah. So you want them to represent the material, of course, right? So play the parts. Yeah. But, you know, Rodney likes... A guy who's kind of slinging it up there, you know? So what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, a little bit of a... That's the wild card. Yeah. You want kind of a guy who's sort of a rocking guy. Mm-hmm. Rodney does not play rock music. Mm-hmm. So how does that fit in? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't really know. I, it, it sounds horrible. I kind of know when I see it a little yeah. bit. Um, and I had a couple of close calls, but just maybe too far off the rock or or just you know didn't have enough artist experience because that's a tricky how is it where's that balance between yeah. a guy who can come from a rock thing or be a guitar slinger but has sort of a little bit of artist experience and knows how to walk that line yeah of bringing his own element to it yeah but yet still representing the gig so so not upstaging the artist but has something on stage that is because i i feel like as drummers, sometimes we can get away with being less. We have, if we have uh, less stage presence, right? It can almost be okay. Sure. Um, it it can work in uh, in our favor. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know. There's definitely um, situations where that that proves to be uh, very worthwhile. Um, but the guys on stage out in front. It can make a big deal. They got, have more to do. Our stage yeah. presence as drummers is our gear. Is yeah. uh, you know, I know that sounds a little silly, but it is. It's a part of. It's extension of you, right? So, whether whether you're the broken down, yeah, kit guy, whether you're whatever it may be, that's, that's sort of a part of you. So I always yeah. showed up with my gear tight yeah. and and together and not falling apart mm-hmm. or or. Missing pieces, and I don't know what's going on back Which, there. by the way, you saved my ass at a 12th and Porter gig. Do you remember that? <laughs> what about 12, 1300 years ago? Gosh, yeah, well, it was probably like that. Uh, my uh, Ayot snare and the throw just busted, and yes. I don't think we knew each other. And I was playing, and just like, and the singer turns around, she's like, What is going on? And and I was like, It it, it broke. Like, we had maybe six songs, mm. and you just walked up and handed me your snare drum and said, nice. There you go. Well, I was like, know. Awesome, man. Well, that's just, that's just, a, I don't care who you are. If you're a drummer, yeah, you're a panic, you know, yeah. uh, you see that. You don't want to see anybody go through that. You don't, you don't want to go through that, you right, know. Right. Um, uh, so that yeah. was thank you. That was cool. <laughs> I probably should have said, "Man, this guy's good." I should just let him fall apart. No, uh, no. I, that's uh, it's funny you say that because I, I have a similar story with Trey Gray. We're yeah. out on tour with Brooks and Dunn. Sorry to segue into. Yeah, no. Uh, somehow I break 
you know, at a, in a shed, I break my bottom snare, which wow. what? Which turns yeah. any good snare drum into a timbali yeah. at that point. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. Trey Gray comes running out because he was watching the set. Yeah, grabs, puts one of his snares up, grabs my snare, comes back a song later with the bottom head changed, swapped it back out. I'm looking at him like he's insane, and uh, <laughs> it was some of the best teching ever. Uh, you know, because we didn't have anybody back then. It was just we were running and gunning as an opening act. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, we we had some people, but it wasn't like. You know, had a dedicated drum tech like mm-hmm. sitting behind me that's You're ridiculous right, 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 right. uh nor do i need that it's just yeah. you know but here i am we're in a shed right and and boing boing, boing. yeah oh my god and yeah. i don't think i got four bars out of it before he was on it he heard it knew exactly what it was wow. swapped it out so you know it's all uh that's what you do, right? Um, it's kind of a that's kind awesome. of a thing. That's awesome. you know? And bottom heads, man, what a pain in the well, ass. Right? Yeah, like, well, I, for sure. I, I must have had a, a snare that was snapped That's off what happens to me. The, right. Uh, that's you know, something silly like that. So you guys are set. Anyway, you guys are set. You have players in place. We're set. Players in place. It, it was a process. It worked out. Again, I, I ended up getting a, a, a guitar player that works out. Great guitar player through... Our fiddle player, mm-hmm. um, he knew a guy. I didn't know him. He knew a guy. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I've played with this guy in many situations. Mm-hmm. He's played with someone you and I have played with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he qualified on, like, great, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See on Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know, because at this point, I still didn't have that spot. Um, I talked to him. He was down with it. And I kind of rolled the dice on that one. But not really, because a good guy that I trust said that he's the guy. Right. Um, so I got to at least go with that. Right. I, that's a better spot than where I was. And take him on the gig. Take and him then, on the worst case scenario. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. Uh, well, we got into rehearsal. Yeah. Of course, he was exactly what, what Mark said he was. Yeah. Came in, just nailed it. Yeah. And it was a fun hang. And it's kind of, yeah. you know... You know, younger than me, uh, turns out he's you no, know, he's a kiss freak or whatever. Even mm-hmm. though he's way too young for that, uh, <laughs> so we had that in common, yeah. and uh, so it was that kind of thing. And he's like, "Well, okay, good. Off to the races." I think that's a really natural thing um, to want to be part of a band. Yeah, you know for sure. I, I, it's all I ever wanted to do, <clears throat> and. Uh, uh, so, so moving to Nashville was a little strange for me, yeah. Um, because I, I made a conscious decision, uh, and I didn't move here young either. I moved here, you know, after the fact a little bit. So, yeah. sort of a second swing at it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to make a conscious decision. Oh, okay, I'm going to go to Nashville and just be a drummer. Right. Just be a drummer. That was right. an odd thing to say to myself. Yeah. Because I never thought of it that way. Mm. I just always had a band. So mm-hmm. I never thought of myself, oh, I'm a drummer who does all these things. That's not what I did. Uh, I was always in a band. Right. Uh, you know, and sometimes for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I made a conscious decision of, oh, I'm going to go to Nashville and be a drummer. And I was like, okay, well, I've never really done it like that before. It's a little odd to me. Yeah. Obviously, there's people there doing that that are amazing at it mm-hmm. and can play with someone new every day or three times a day and right, right. be comfortable and, and yeah. it's, it's a thing. I don't know if that's my thing, yeah. but I'm going to go there and see right. what's what. Um, 
And and you were making you were doing that though, and that's how you came upon Rodney. I was doing that, so I came yeah. here and made a conscious decision to do that, and played for anybody and everybody, anybody that asked me, I said yes. Right. Um, um, and I, you showed up prepared with those I three up songs. <laughs> I, I did. I just showed up prepared because, you know, I, I'm not some prodigy that can just roll in and be amazing or something. I don't even know what that is, but, well, we know who that is. But even those guys that you would think are like that, you know, we're talking about Chick Corea, like a Dave Weckl. Yeah. You know that guy shows up prepared, of course, right? So it's not like... Um, but, you know, that's an interesting point because there are those... Uh, there are those players that, that we know that, that have uh, incredible facility. And sometimes uh, if you have a young player that comes in um, with um, just amazing chops, amazing mm-hmm. facility, and have maybe uh, this um, bravado about them that's been fed their whole uh, life growing up, that, you, man, you're such a badass, right. you're, you're going to kill it, you're, and they, they're amazing in their town, and then they come to a, a music town or they move someplace where they can become um, the, the next player that, that they've always uh, uh, wished they could be. And so they come into a situation where there's an audition or a gig, and it's like, well, I don't need to prepare, I'm a badass. You know, I just need to do my thing. Well, when the singer is up there or when if it's a band situation or whatever, and you're not stopping when the song and that right before the bridge or you're not pushing that part or you're not playing the right tempo. Dude, I'm, I don't care if you can play six tuplets over this ostinato. Right. I need you to know the song. And so you're not going to get the call. Absolutely. I, I, you know, and I, and I learned that young because I had a lot of friends that were singer songwriters and I, I mm. played for them a lot. And even in Nashville, my first four years, everybody's a songwriter, right? Yeah. We're not, we're not playing uh, cover tunes. Everybody's songwriting. So it's very personal to them. It's very emotional for them. So you have to find a way to connect it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they want, it's a bit of a mystery to them what you're doing anyway, I think, as far as drumming. So mm-hmm. they want to feel that, you know, you got their back and you're connected to what they're doing, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with, uh, you know, chops at all. Right. Everybody brings a different level of chops to a gig. Yeah. Um, they want to feel you connected so and you're in it. Right. So uh, um, um, that's, for me, uh, was something I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of as when I moved to Nashville. So that's why I did a lot of it. When I moved here, I just said yes. Whether it was playing a shaker and a snare drum, uh, you know, at the radio cafe, mm-hmm. uh, songwriter stuff, or a full band, yeah. you know, kit or whatever it was. So I needed a lot of that experience. Right, right, so right. I, I spent the first four years doing that up yeah. and down and all around, you know, uh, to try to get a little confidence in that. But um, um, well, can we back up to yeah, where sorry, you're yeah. from and and sure. and what brought you to Nashville eventually, but you were originally from Connecticut. I grew up in Connecticut. Um, okay. and then went to Boston to go to school and okay. kind of never left Boston. Uh, mm-hmm. like most people do. It's great. And the music scene in Boston was amazing yeah. in the eighties, had rock bands and, you know, deals and all that stuff. Uh, that's yeah. a whole other, um, two hour crazy story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just like most people, you know, when you're young, you're in bands and trying to get a, you know, record deal. Right. Um, and we did some of that and, uh, and, uh, then, um, 
segue to rock died in the early 90s, at mm. least that kind of rock. It changed, the light switch went off and everybody lost their deals and everybody was pretty much out of business. Were you touring? Uh, well, you know, yeah. we, were, we were on the verge. Yeah. So we were, you know, we had a development deal, we had a publishing deal, mm-hmm. <laughs> band with a publishing deal back then. It's, you can tell how long ago that was. Uh, uh, working on a new record deal. Were you guys um, collectively writing? Collectively writing. We ran, wrote as a four-piece rock band and okay. uh, doing pretty well. Um, um, and then, you know, like I said, the early 90s, the lights went out on all that stuff and everybody lost their deals and uh, mm-hmm. it kind of all went away. And I was young, so I was already spit out the back door mm. at a young age. Mm. going well what am i going to do now mm-hmm. um you know uh so uh i want to ask about ahead. your yeah. uh, upbringing and like oh, okay. as, as far as like what got you into music uh, you have some relatives that were in music yeah you know my great uncle was yeah. it my dad's uncle my great uncle uh was a great drummer uh jazz big band drummer um so i grew up with that yeah and he's like the coolest guy i've ever seen in my life and i think my dad felt the same way <laughs> he grew up with him also listening to him on the radio yeah um, he would bring over his contemporaries like me bringing you over to my house but except he would bring over gene krupa you know because you have friends. a chance to meet him uh, no i was too young you okay know. Uh, uh though no, yeah too young though he was still alive when i was alive right um, right, right not for much longer but, right uh, but when your father was a kid yes yeah, so my dad would run around the house as a little kid and and uh gene krupa would come over to my great-grandmother's house and eat spaghetti oh it's crazy just because like you and i we live in nashville they lived in the new york area and they did gigs and and uh they were friends along with many others. Uh, so it was just the singing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, I grew up with that and I have all these great pictures too of Krupa signing, you know, pictures of the time thanking my great grandmother for spaghetti, you know, just wow. very yeah. a funny thing. But again, like you and I sitting here, that's yeah. what they did. Right. And um, was your, was your father a, a musician? No, nope, my father is not a musician. No one in my family plays music. Okay. except my uncle. Hmm. So he, as little kids, he gave myself and all my cousins, you know, drumsticks and we all kind of grew up and, you know, I just loved it. Yeah. Sort of obsessed uh, with it from a young age beca- because of him. I mean, so he was, you think that that was the, he was the catalyst. He was the catalyst for sure. He's a, yeah. like yeah. I said, the coolest guy I've ever seen, you know, that era, which is yeah. a generation away from mine, which is such a cool era. Right. I mean, totally. you, know, you just, everybody wearing suits and he's got yeah. the whoop de doo hairdo and always tan. And, you know, he's got a <laughs> pinky ring and you know, it's, just, it's just a different time, you know, yeah. and, and I'm already two generations away from it. So, to me, uh, it was the coolest thing ever. So I grew up with, you know, listening to big band records. Oh, yeah. Love it. Not even knowing what it was, just right. putting them on the stereo. Yeah. Or my dad's rock and roll records from the 50s. So, right. you know, just a, a mishmash of stuff. But yeah, so that for me, that was it. He That's was the awesome. coolest guy ever. Um, and you know, the, Erskine said something. I had a, when I had a chance to talk to Peter Erskine, he said something that blew my mind. He goes... That I never consider, but when you look at the pictures of people in the studio from the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, everyone was in suits. Yeah. And he goes, because they dressed up because they're going to work. Right, right. I was like, that's amazing. That's amazing. I um, hate wearing a suit, but I would yeah. totally wear a suit. New rule. I, Everybody has to wear suits. Everybody has. Uh, uh, yeah. Have you, have you ever tried that on the gig? I mean, I'm sure you've done some gigs where you had... Yeah, I can't It's stand, tricky. Yeah, I can't stand it. My tricky, stick always gets caught up in the like, sleeve, right. and I have to roll the sleeve, and then I look like a And if your suit fits ball. correctly, you try to pick your arms up, and you can't 
you can't move your arms because your suit jacket. No, you know, no, obviously no. we don't have those problems anymore. But uh, right, they did. You look at those old footage of Krupa in a full oh, suit, yeah. rocking. Yeah, you know, full on sweating through the suit. Yeah, and you go, all right, well, doesn't yeah. look like a problem for that guy. No. He seems to be doing just fine. Anyway, so uh, that he was carb, it for me. He was carbon up at uh, had all that spaghetti at your grandmother's house. Yeah, he's, it, he's just it's, killing it's, it. it's a crazy story. Even for me, being in it's my family. Yeah, uh, it just sounds like um, some kind of folklore or something. Wow. But it, it's a real thing. And so I grew up with that. And uh, and my father, not being and my family, not being musicians, they always respected it. Mm. So they let me do it. Mm-hmm. But they wanted me to like you know they didn't get me a drum kit as a toy. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get me a drum kit until I was 13. So mm-hmm. it took a while, you know. Yeah. And it was a good one, but it was like, yeah, it's not a toy. This is not something you're going to do for a minute and then chuck in the in yeah. the garage and that'll be the end of it. Um, so they took it a little bit seriously. They wanted me to at least, if I was going to do it, just, you know, do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was a real thing for my dad, which was a really uh, lucky for me. Right, because sometimes uh, it depends on uh, the generation and and people. You know, it's like, well, what do you know? What are you really going to do? Right, that's not a thing. You can't do. It. And I had friends like that. That yeah, her parents were like that's not a thing. That's just you know. It still um, happens to this day. I know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, right. The, our the, the singer uh, I work with was uh, having dinner with people on a cruise ship, and so met all these new people. And this guy's like, so wh- no, what do you do for a living? He's why well, I, I sing. Like we're the guest entertainers on this ship oh that's cool but, but what do you do for a living is well, this is what i do no no seriously <laughs> oh my god i mean i know it's great it's really cool that you're doing this but what do you it's like dude this is what i do and it, it, it's still to this day this person i know i know and i, I would conceiving. imagine as a parent it's scary to think oh yeah. but but I, I, would, I would imagine that goes for anything i mean there's no guarantees and right exactly um, very an accounting job you know or you can be <laughs> let sure go. That's what you want to do. i mean whatever it may be you know there's there's always risk and um it's counting that, it's always counting you know? yeah there's a, it's tricky so uh so so I was lucky my family sort of took it seriously and supported me, all my bands as a kid. Yeah. And we'd go out and gig and do that and really put it together. Were there lessons involved? Teachers? There were lessons involved, yeah. I yeah. took lessons as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't participate in music in school. Mm. Um, maybe just a little bit in high school, but I never did that in high school. I always had my band. Yeah. So we yeah. were out doing it mm-hmm. uh, in high school. Uh gigging and playing and uh really doing you know playing a bar or or a you know outdoor festival whatever yeah. maybe school function uh so yeah so they they took it seriously but i always took drum lessons mm-hmm. so that was cool I, I liked them and hated them all at the same time you mm-hmm. know uh depending on your teacher like anything oh, yeah. you know yeah. as a kid you're know, like it just seems like school sometimes even though you yeah. love what you're doing, you love the drums. Right. Sometimes it was just more like school. And you're like, well, this is not really how I pictured it. Well, but. right. And, and I think that's important to know if you are going to teach, keep that in mind. I know, right? That's uh, a tough one. Yeah, I, I remember having one teacher, you know, this older guy and he was cool and everything, but he just, this little closet of a room and he's smoking in there. And I'm just like, <laughs> wow, this is, eyes are burning and we're, we're practicing on a pad. I'm right. Like, wow. This is, 
it's not exactly how I pictured it, but yeah. even as a kid, you're like, this is weird. I don't uh, know how was this is. conversation going to go down like 20 years from now? He was vaping in there. You right, know, right. He, was always, he was always on his cell phone, right, looking, checking his Facebook tick, status. Right. I couldn't stand it, man. <laughs> it, I'm sure it's going to be exactly that. But, <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, like the, it's still the time, you know. I have to explain to my kids, like, no, people, like, they smoked on airplanes. They smoked. You watch these old TV shows. Not even that old, and everybody's smoking indoors. You're like, what is that? I know. I, I hated it as a kid, and it was a thing. And I didn't even know it was good or bad for you or anything. I was like, this is ridiculous. Even as an eight-year-old, <laughs> I would think to myself, this is terrible. <laughs> Why is everybody in here smoking? There's like a fog in here. Now, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but, I, you know, because of the sense of smell is connected so much to the, that part of the brain memory and everything like that, that when I smell cigarettes, I'm like, oh, it's time for a gig. Because we played in bars, we right. did all that stuff, and everybody smoked everywhere. Unbelievable! And like, yeah. I'm so glad that there isn't smoking anymore. But it never bothered me, and but I didn't have to sing. Right? No, that's it, a it thing. was just part of the deal, and yeah. you didn't really realize that you get get undressed outside because your oh. clothes were just, or you'd open your, I don't, it's a soft bag or something, or, yeah, or a case. You'd open nasty. your case the next day, and it was just like a puff of smoke or something would come out of it. Right. Like, right. Wow, this yeah. smells. Terrible. Yeah, I'd come home. Uh, I have to strip down, throw my clothes in the wash, take a shower before I was even allowed in bed. Right, because if you got in bed, oh yeah, after a gig like that, it was yeah. just atrocious. But uh, that's and funny. did I? Did that's you funny. have the long, super long hair? Yeah, has, have we had we had yeah. some hair. Yeah, and that that yeah. holds it in there. Sure, <laughs> and if you have anything in it, uh, <laughs> just to to make it stand up, uh, it was sticking to it. But uh, yeah, that was that was the thing for sure back then. A lot of hair, a lot of uh, right. A lot of rock, you know. Did you uh, end up going to Berkeley? I did go to Berkeley. Okay. Uh, I was back on track there. I, 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 sorry. Uh, sorry, everybody. Smoke for break. Yeah. Uh, I did go to Berkeley. That My big idea was to go to Berkeley to find a band. Um, wow. Again, one track mind, yeah. find a band, make records like I wanted to make records, right? Just be in a band. Um, Before you go into that, the, staying on the band thing, like... Uh, and we talked about this already, mm-hmm. but what, was there, what were you listening to when you were growing up? I was all over the map, you know, yeah. and back then, you know, so I had my uncle's old records. I had my dad's old records. I had whatever was coming down the pike at the time from the, from the Jackson five to, yeah. to, you know, eventually kiss records I found on my own and just mixing and matching whatever was in the house. Yeah. Uh, so big band and and then to to kiss to all that stuff. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and my, my dad had all these forty fives of fifties records, oh, yeah. you know, and or, or compilation records of fifties rock and roll, which yeah. you know, till this day, Chuck Berry just makes my hair stand up. Yeah. straight. I, I just it Such just great lights me on, on fire. Right, right. Uh, and of course, the older you get, you start to realize, oh my god, this is well, more amazing I than pop- I ever thought it was. Well, right, because it's a combination of things. I think it's because your ears mature, mm-hmm. you're experience playing music right. and your understanding of production all those things like tell you holy shit these guys were killing it all in the same room together you know the mic placement the, yeah. the performance the you know the number of times they had to just all get it together to put down incredible. that great yeah. track it, 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 and i just saw the uh, the beatles documentary eight days a week speaking oh, of exactly that it. right so here they can't hear anything you know, people are screaming, there's no monitors, there's no PA right, even right. invented yeah. basically then. And they're amazing. It's four guys making all that sound 
I always remind myself of that. Oh, my ear makes it. I'm not hearing I enough know, hi hat. Shut up, dude. Like, <laughs> Can you pan the reverb uh, to the little bit to the left? <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Yeah, McCartney know. was totally saying that. Uh, they can't hear each other. Ringo can't hear a thing. I, he, he admits it. There's no way you can hear anything. He's watching everybody's hands. Right. They just experience playing. Uh, nonstop for years and makes them great. Anyway. Well, and as a drummer, I appreciate that. But what blows my mind is the harmonies that are still singing. I'm like, you guys are insane. They can't hear and two guys singing on one mic that they can't hear. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't make any so, sense. No excuses for uh, us. No excuses. Uh, Segwaying all the way back. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 17. I go to Berkeley because I want to find a band. Um, so you were I, 17. You were out of high school. Out of high school. Uh, Did you graduate early? No. Or? Uh, my birthday is just weird where okay. I'm 17 when I graduate in June. Um, three days later, I'm you, in a, you could say yes. You say, yeah, I, I graduated early. And, yeah, I, yeah was, so. I was kind of a... Yeah. I'll edit that part <laughs> All out. the accelerated okay, courses. Okay, Kevin, say yes. <laughs> yes to everything. Um, yeah, no, I just happened to work out that way, which is okay. way too young. Um, go to Boston three days later after I graduate in the summer program at Berkeley. Wow. Um, because I didn't get accepted uh, to the straight fall a semester because I, I really didn't take proper music in high school that you could see on paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, well, you should probably take the summer program, which they were absolutely right, to get you, you know, ramp up. What was involved in that? Uh, just, just sort of a watered down version of your first semester, shortened semester okay. in the summer program, just to see if like this is for you at all. It wasn't. But mm-hmm. I made it through and started in the fall. And uh, um, so uh, my first day there, everybody's better than me. Mm. I'm like, this is a horrible mistake. Mm. Not really, but it's a horrible mistake in a sense where like, I didn't go there for that. So it's a little naive on my part. Of course, it's naive. I'm 17. Um, but it was great. I, I just made it through, you know, yeah. um, going to school with prodigies and amazingly talented people, which made me decide right out of the gate, okay, you're not that. Mm. What are you going to do? I'm really thinking that almost out loud, like, what am I going to (laughs) do? But I knew I wanted to find a band. So that was really my my goal. So I spent all those years trying to make it through school and playing in bands, Mm -hmm. you know, out in the clubs, playing in bands every night, uh, trying to get up and go to class and uh, surviving. And it, it was... In hindsight, it's amazing. At the time, it was very difficult. That experience for me at that young age of being like in a place where it was just overwhelming and everybody's better than me and it's not me being humble. It's it's that kind of place where you look around and go, oh my God, this is this is crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, when I when I came to Nashville, how many years later, I'm in my 30s, yeah. moved to Nashville and went, wow. I almost said the same thing out loud. Everybody here is better than me. It's the same experience. But the difference is it didn't affect me. Like it didn't bother me. But it didn't seem like it affected you enough. It Those two scenarios though, I think they have something similar. You didn't stop. You're like, okay, this is, I'm not doing this. This is right, crazy. Right. I can't Which happened to a lot of people and that's okay yeah. too, I guess. Because so what, what happened when you were 17 that kept you on course and what happened when you moved to Nashville that kept you on the course? Well, of course, a love of playing that, that desire to play where it comes from is a, 
bit of a magic and mystery that I really don't know, but but it's deep in there. And and I always had a focus on what I wanted to do. Mm. So, you know, I never got too distracted from that. Even school couldn't distract me from it, uh, which is not necessarily a good thing. But um, I quit in my last semester because my band was starting to happen. Yeah. Last semester, almost have a degree. I'm like, I'm out. See y'all later. I got this thing figured out. Rock star next stop. Right? That's how you think as a kid, right? But but in a real way, because we were really doing it. Right. So it wasn't like just me being, you know... And that's a thing I hear, you know, it's we were, so funny. Years ago, people said, well, if you graduate from Berkeley, you've done something wrong. You've got to get right. going and then you, right. then you go. And I, you know, it's, and, and I, so I didn't, uh, I ended up going back three years later for yeah. like one semester Yeah, and they gave me a degree. Awesome. It's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. So it makes no sense whatsoever. Right. Meanwhile, my band is still happening. We're traveling all the place playing. I'm, I'm sort of checking in at Berkeley, fixing some things that I messed up like an incomplete or. That's a, cool though, man. And, and it's really just, great. You know, yeah. And you know. My dad was like, really? You know, I asked you to just finish school. That's all I've ever asked you to do. Yeah. And you couldn't, you couldn't manage that, you know? <laughs> but again, you know, you're a little burnt out. Right. Three and a half years into that, you're at your wit's end. Oh, with, I know. It. Uh, it's too much. Senioritis. It's just too much. But, um, but, 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 so yeah. But so you get to Berkeley and, and, and it's, you're seeing all these players around you that are amazing. Amazing. But you stay focused because of this thing. Of what I know. I want to do and what I think I can do. I like, Mm -hmm. I really believe that I could do this thing, like be in a band and make, you know, a sound that Mm -hmm. would be unique. That was my goal. Mm There's find a band, an original band and and make it a thing. Mm -hmm. Rock and roll band, of course, rock band. Um, And, uh, and we were doing that. Uh, And make it sustainable for you. I mean, are are you still at this age thinking, how do I make a living? How do I pay the bills? Or is it just, I'm, I just need to rock? Yeah, I, I just need to rock. I, I'm not, bills aren't even, even though I'm in the big city, you yeah. know, I'm not really... Even though you have bills. Even though there's, yeah, I'm in the city and I don't know the forces against me at this point. I have yeah. no idea. And I guess I still don't. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just sort of that magical thinking that, uh, Does your wife know that is infuriating and, and nice all at the same time. And yes, it, you yeah. make uh, your wife crazy yeah. to have this blind, you know, faith in something that makes no sense whatsoever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. still doing it after all this time. But yeah, so I just knew I wanted to do this and nothing was going to stop me to do it. I read somewhere that you had worked with Tom Hambridge. Tommy Hambridge. Can another you tell Boston me about guy. that? Yep, another Boston guy. We know each other from Boston from way back. Mm-hmm. He moved to Nashville after me. Uh, we hooked up again. So anytime he goes on the road, because he's a great singer, songwriter, not only an amazing drummer who you definitely have to have out here. He yeah. Could, he could talk for 12 hours on. He's the quintessential drummer that can play anything at the drop of a hat, fill in for somebody without ever hearing their stuff and play the gig down. Jeez. He's, it's crazy. Uh, so any, anytime he goes on the road or um, doing his stuff, singing, yeah, I play drums for him. Awesome. So that was quite an experience, playing drums for a great drummer yeah, who's a great singer-songwriter, who's a great producer. Yeah. It, 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 it was... Luckily, we're friends, yeah. And he's such a great band leader, like on the deck that can mm-hmm. get you through 
four hours of music you've never played before mm-hmm. and somehow you're playing it and you don't even know you don't even know it um so yeah we uh we toured a lot was there a situation or a scenario that uh, you can talk about where because i've worked in bands where well my good friend mike jackson who helps with the podcast we played drums together mm-hmm. uh, in high school. And then we were in a couple of different bands together. So there's times and he'll say, you know what, I was thinking of this groove and he can really translate that well to me. Is there any situation, whether it's a, a live performance, recording, whatever, that Tom has? That's that's the perfect question for this situation yeah. because Tom is his, a great drummer. Uh, yeah. And his... He has this feel and this thing. It's like he can do that rock and rolly, uh, slinky, um, NRBQ meets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's just a great drummer. So on his records, there's a lot of that kind of drumming uh, feel on there. And I remember the first day we came into rehearsal at his house, right right around here, actually, not too far from here. Um, in his basement, we're going to go go out on the road. And uh, I hadn't really played with him on his new stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, he made a couple of records and, um, and I'm trying to cop that slinky groovy, um, NRBQ kind of off sure. the beat yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like, he just turned to me. So I was kind of struggling with it because now I'm trying to be yeah. him. Yeah. And it's not really working. Uh, cause I'm, uh, he can feel me trying to copy it. Yeah. Um, and not sort of doing it my own way. Yeah. And he turned to me, he's like, no man, just do your thing. Yeah. Just, you know, or he would just translate, just play it, play that straight. I want you to play that. He's like, I played that real slinky on the record. I want you to hammer it down. I want you to play it oh. straight and hammer it down. Yeah. I went, oh, okay. Does that mean I, I did it wrong? He's like, no, 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 no. I'd rather, this is live. You know, we we're going to go out and hammer these songs, mm-hmm. you know, to the ground, you know, and uh, I don't want you trying to be like subtle and cool and trying to cop some of that stuff. Just, so as soon as I did that, it locked into place yeah. and we were rocking because it's straight rock. Yeah. And the point is that he knew that right away, you know, got me to do it made me feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just effective on every way where that could have went south pretty quick mm-hmm. where I could have been like, Oh man, uh, and now he's my buddy. Mm-hmm. I'm not really doing it right. And it's, mm-hmm. how do I get in what he recorded on some of this stuff? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not really working. I just sound like I'm trying to be him and it's not really working. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. And he's great at that. Uh, even on the deck turning to me and, and uh, you know, breaking down a song or, or directing the band just with his hands by you know, giving me his fist, punching his fist for like kick drum or all these hand signals that I didn't even know I knew. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't, I don't even know what he's, what is that? And I'm doing it. And he just, he's as a way of doing that. That's uh, amazing. Uh, it's, it sounds like that's what's made him a good producer. Oh my gosh. Well. Yeah. Cause he, again, just that moment of trying to get me to, find a place for these songs right that's not just copying him or trying to be too you know and he knows cheeky he, about it right and he knows that when you play you you sound best right and when i say right. you i mean all of us yeah he when kn- we do our thing it's when he knew me he, he knew he right, was right. calling me it's not like yeah. he never met me before he knows yeah. what i do he's seen me way back when he knows right. where i'm at and he and he called me and he's like oh, no 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 do your thing i want to i want you to hammer those right. eighth notes right 
you know. So you're like, oh, well, I want to do this. I want to do but, your thing so cool. I yeah. want to be your But thing. you know what? You did call me and you know me. So we got it. And it's, cool. of course, yeah, as soon as I listened to him and yeah. it, it, I mean, it clicked in like, like you're putting a car in gear. That's how immediate it was. And I went, this guy, this guy, <laughs> this guy, you know, he just, he just knows, he just knows. And that's, uh, awesome, uh, that's absolutely what makes him a great producer and uh, why people like working with him or yeah. he's very effective. Yeah. And we played up and down all around. We, he produces a lot of people. So, you know, he's producing George Thorogood. We're on tour with George Thorogood. Mm. He produced Buddy Guy. We're on tour with Buddy Guy. Wow. Um, we're cutting demos for George during our sound check, you know, wow. uh, to hand to him later on the bus. You know, yeah. uh, we recorded a live record out on that tour with Tom that's out uh, oh, uh, man, everywhere. That's cool. Straight ahead rock, all yeah. his tunes, you know. He producing Skinner and writing with Skinner. We're out on the road with Skinner, you know. So we did so much of that. Wow. My, you know, sort of beginning of my years in uh in nashville mm-hmm. and all the way through up until this point last year skinner was at the ascend and tom called me hey man what are you doing friday night oh, um, i'm actually in town great we're gonna open for skinner at the ascend okay let's do it <laughs> you know we're gonna do his tunes 30 minutes of you're like tom wait Hammer's what tunes. time yeah. let me check I, is it in town all right maybe just <laughs> is there parking there uh can I get my parking validated? Yeah. So, you know, he's just that guy. Uh, but he's also thrown me into situations uh, that were brutal for me, in a sense, in where, way? like, blues jams, he'd come to me and say, okay, uh, tonight's going to be four sets. The third set's going to be the Tom Hamburg set, which you know. The other three sets, people are just going to come up and call tunes out, and we're going to be the house band. And... I just paused and said, what? <laughs> Wait, what now? Because he did a ton of that. That's his... Tom, I'm a band guy. Oh, yeah, what are you talking about, man? I, this is a problem. Yeah. I'm thinking in my head, he's like, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You'll be fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Uh, so here we are, some club up in Boston, you know, we're his stomping ground mm-hmm. in his world, and he's getting me through four sets of stuff people coming and going dropping songs i don't know um feels that are we, 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 back up in boston so you were here in nashville we're here in nashville but he, he oh, were, we'd, okay. we'd end up there yeah. and he, in between you know throw good dates he'd put us in a club mm-hmm. uh, that he used to play and fill in a date or buffalo he's from buffalo we'd fill in somewhere out there and just mm-hmm. do all kinds of crazy dates and uh he would get me through. His, I did. I did corporate gigs with him that way. Well, how'd that you know? gig go? Uh, it went fine. Yeah. It went fine. It, it, somehow he got me through it. Yeah. You know. I mean, granted, you could pull the "Sweet Home Chicago" ready one two or whatever yeah. it may be, um, which is all fun and games until you're in that situation. Going, people are people are sitting in. People are coming up. You know, it's a situation that I wasn't in a lot at that time. You know, mm-hmm. um, um, and I'm doing it for the guy who's amazing at it. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's his world. So I want to, I want to be great. I want to, right. I don't want to be the guy. Right. Not having it together, even though I have no idea what we're about to do for the next three hours. Um, so it was a great experience. And he knows you're, you're up for it. He yeah. Knows he knows. He's like, don't, yeah. he's like, you got it, man. You're I love good. that. You're good. That's great. Uh, and whatever you don't know, I'm going to get you through it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And he, and he can direct a band and, and, 
stops and starts and breakdowns and all the crazy stuff, ins and outs, you know, holding up mm-hmm. chord signs, whatever it needs to happen, he's making it happen. Rodney takes up most of my time. Yeah. Um, I play at the Family Wash all the time with Jamie. He does a, a regular Tuesday night thing, songs we've been playing for years, some of which, some songs we've been playing for years, some songs I've never heard before, and I'll go, just to make it weird, I'll go with, we'll go over there and we'll play a set on a Tuesday night and I'll just play cocktail drum. Yeah. Just to make it weirder and to make it yeah. make no sense, um, just to stretch that. And he loves that. Yeah. And we've done that forever. Mm-hmm. And that's such a great exercise for me because he trusts me to do that. And yeah. the wash essentially is, it's like I said, it's the vibe because anything goes in there. Yeah. You can see the most amazing bossa nova band playing straight up. Right. You know, bossa nova, you can see a crazy rock band. You can see mm-hmm. anything in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that. Anything goes. And it's so much fun playing with Jamie doing that. Yeah. Because <clears throat> he just, he's just so open to that which is so freeing for me that I could just go in there and play behind right. his songs with a cocktail drum. Is there music there seven nights a week? Uh, yeah, just you about. So? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. The reason I wanted to bring it up is like, if, if you're visiting Nashville, if you're from Nashville, right. whatever, it's just one of those cool places you've cool got to go. And, and I think even Rolling Stone mentioned it. It's just one of the you know cool rock clubs in the country. And Jamie modeled it after... Some of the places we'd play in Boston, you know, oh, that okay. we sort of grew up playing in these groovy little places that were all about the vibe mm-hmm. that you can kind of do anything. Not that we're playing some crazy avant-garde noise stuff or anything. It's not, it's not about that. It's just that the people that go there are open to anything. People that play there are open to anything. And you can see mm-hmm. a lot of different stuff at any time. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just a cool vibe. You built it around the community, not just about a room. Right. So that's what makes it great. Um, it's a good universal theme, though. Like, you know, it's still built on, you know, relationships with people, um, a community of stuff, people you know, and, and how you navigate that, that. That's really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in, you know, real drum world, we can get, whether it's endorsements or something like that, you yeah. know, uh, I don't know, this pops into my head because people... I'm sure ask you about that. Maybe younger guys or people mm-hmm. ask me that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's a it's about relationships. It's not it's not about gear. It's about people yeah. you've known over years yeah. and yeah. years and and how you build them. It's not mm-hmm. just about picking a company out of magazine and call them and say, hey, give me stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, do you know anybody there? You know, you, yeah. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's relationships. Same with gigs. Same with gear. Well, and with- that's one of the things I was going to ask you about was endorsements. So we, we actually, we did talk about it a lot when we first started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we just haven't really discussed it much. Um, and uh, I, being that Sakai is uh, sponsoring us uh, um, during this podcast. That's awesome. Uh, and you're a Sakai player. I'm a Sakai player. Uh, um, as of last year, um, yeah. again, built on uh, Joe Testa, who's... Uh, was with Yamaha for years mm-hmm. and was so kind to me yeah. uh, all those years. And I met him at my day gig when I first moved to Nashville. It's not a drumming thing. I was working at a hotel downtown. The NAM show would come to Nashville. Um, I had some mutual friends introduce me to Joe at Yamaha. I always loved Yamaha. Yeah. We became friends. Yeah. An endorsement wasn't even in, you know, in sight. At that mm-hmm. point, we just mm-hmm. became friends over years. I'd give him a corner room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just became friends. And uh, years later, we made it official. He's like, hey, you know, we should 
get you on board with Yamaha, you know. I'm like, uh, what? You, uh, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Um, but again, it's building that relationship. We were friends yeah. first. It had nothing to do with free gear. So anyway, long way around, Joe was at Vic Firth. His first week at Vic Firth, he calls me because we're friends and said, yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you play Vic Firth? I'm like, well, that's a silly question. Um, of course I do. Uh, and so he, he was, he loves Sakai. He know those Sakai people forever. Yeah. He said, you need to look at Sakai. I'm like, well, yeah, but <laughs> uh, you know, me and everybody else should look at Sakai. He's like, no, no, no. I, I think you should really do that. This was last year. And, um, uh, anyway, long story short, he, because of him, and an email from him to Sakai, both Trey and I were sitting at my kitchen table at, at that moment. And he emailed, attached both Trey and I to that email. Mm-hmm. And within, I don't know, 20 minutes, Noriko from Sakai emailed me back and said, we'd love to have you guys on board, you know, if you're interested. And we were just kind of blown away. And I've yeah. always been a Yamaha fan. Yeah. Uh, that factory is great. Anyway, so the long story is it's all about that relationship with Joe, right. friendship with Joe that he's helped me out. And mm-hmm. um, No, that's and, important. Uh, I, I, it's, it's important for people to know. Yeah, and their drums are amazing, and, yeah. and uh, I can't even believe it, um, yeah. how great they are and uh, how great they sound, you know. Uh, and even even in the context of what I use them for, it seems incredible. Uh, <laughs> um, Zildjian, same thing. I've known those guys forever. Um, from working in a music store in Boston, yeah, uh, you know, a million years ago. Um, so that thing, and I've always used Zildjian even as a kid. My great uncle used Zildjian. Right. <laughs> I have his from you know. I'm just a creature of habit. Sure. Remo, same thing. Yeah. Remo's the only one I cold called huh. when Rodney hit. So it's a different experience. Okay. Um, I was like, you know, let me give it a shot. You know, sure. We're we're on the radar now. Let me, let me see how this works. And 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 I started up a. A relationship with a couple of people and then and then they moved those people moved out of the company and I filled out the application like you would mm-hmm. and sent it in and didn't hear anything mm. for six, seven months. I'm like, oh well, that's okay, you know. Yeah. I'm still gonna go to Forks and yeah. buy an emperor, you know. And then six, seven months later, uh I get something in the mail, this big envelope and said, Welcome to Remo. What I'm like, I'm sorry, what? So I called them up. I guess they had a big stack yeah. and they finally got to the bottom of the pile and I was like, well, sure. I guess this guy seems all right. And, and I'd since got to know the people there and yeah. great. And again, I'm going to use them whether they help me out or not. The last thing I want to ask you yeah. is just uh, since we were talking a little bit about gear, which we don't normally do, but what, what setup are you using on the road? On the road right now, I have, I have this guy trilogy kit. Okay. Mod Orange, which is very important. Awesome. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I didn't really know about the trilogy. I, I, I just kind of ordered it. Uh, I, knew, I mean, I knew about it. I knew what it was. I knew what they were trying to do. Yeah. And I got it, and it just destroyed me. It was so amazing. Um, and it's it's a very warm... Real warm, that sort of vintage sound, if you will, for lack yeah. of a better description. But Does that work well with Rodney's game? You know, it, it, they've done it in such a modern way. Yeah. And such a, you know, because you, you get old drums and sometimes they're a bear to deal with or yeah, to tune yeah. and it's not, that it doesn't always work in context. Sure. Spectacular. Uh, so I have a trilogy kit with 24 by 14. Oh, um, 12, 14, 16. So pretty, okay. pretty standard. Yeah. But uh, there's so much tone and so the mics love them so much. I, that's what I'm blown away with. 
Because mm-hmm. one thing to tune your drums sitting over them and they sound good to you while you're sitting there is another thing to put a mic on it yeah. and have it translate. Yeah. This is way beyond anything I could ever hope for mm-hmm. in the microphones. Are you guys touring um, with an engineer? Oh, we have front of house. Okay. Uh, yep. He's uh, and he he was he couldn't believe it. Yeah. And you know it's tough to get a rise out of, out of uh, front of house guys. They've kind of heard everything and they're just like whatever you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's not true. I'm generalizing, but uh, Jeff, our, our guy, is great, and he 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 couldn't believe it. So much so that we did a couple of fly dates not too long after I got these kits. He's like, "Man, I I just couldn't get the snare drum to sound right, and mm. those drums were killing me." And like, mm. yeah, but you got really spoiled. Those Sakai drums are are spectacular in the yeah. microphones. We just got a house kit or a backline kit mm. of whatever, and a snare drum du jour that. Yeah, I didn't bring yeah. my own. I'm not flying with mine. And it, yeah. it was a struggle. And what were you using snare drum wise? Uh, you know, I've been going back and forth. So I have the Trilogy six and a half. Okay. Which I used for a while. Now I'm using their uh, uh, Cypress stave snare six and yeah, a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's like a gunshot. Yeah. I have the aluminum as a side snare tuned all the way down. Uh-huh. Like almost the head's falling off for like a ballad. Mm-hmm. Six and a half, great. And I also have their basically their Black Beauty mm-hmm. six and a half, incredible. Um, so much so that I sold my B stock Black Beauty. See, you yeah. later. got rid of it. Don't need it. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Well, again, it's just sitting there. I'm like, I'm never going to touch that thing again. Yeah, yeah. with this with these drums. So, awesome. um, and I also have uh, see that's from Road Kit. I, they also I also have their Almighty Birch Kit. Yeah, um, Gold Champagne Sparkle. That's sweet. Ridiculous. Uh, 22, 12, 14, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't even had a chance to dig into those that much. They're, mm. they're so amazing. Mm. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin with them. Uh, I'm going to set them up as I get sort of my little, I may take them out on the road next year just because they're so great yeah, yeah. and it's silly to have them. Birch toms, they speak, man. They're so great. I'm gonna put the mics on when I get it set up and see what happens. If I can't, if I can't get a sound out of those things, I should just quit because these <laughs> things are. I use, it's funny. I used them for the Tom Hammerage gig, that one off. Yeah, I just gotten them. I'm like, hey, I got it. I'll bring this kid out. And <laughs> they, I, I got to the the 16 uh, floor. Um, we had it was pretty much a throw and go at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, the PA almost like blew up like the low end was just he wasn't ready for it in the microphone it was just you know i could hear it rolling in the subs like he's like oh i gotta dial that out it did, and that's only a 16 that's my favorite adele song rolling in the subs yeah yeah rolling in the subs that's good <laughs> stuff uh so yeah i'm pretty happy with that and that's cool uh, man and they're, they're just great people us yeah sky people they've been so kind and uh that's cool they're really trying to create a family vibe with it um and they make well, you know, I've been a fan forever because of Yamaha, so it's yeah. the same factory, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. If people don't know the story, they should check it out. It's pretty right, interesting. Right, it's right. fascinating. But, but I thing. think a little bit more attention to detail, and there's some personality that's coming out that's able to come out. Now. Yeah, now. yeah. Because, yeah. you know, because honestly, everybody makes great drums. And yeah. if you yeah. put Peter Erskine in here with a blue tarp over a bucket, he's going to make it sound great, no question about it. Yeah. But... Um, yeah. These drums are for those of us that aren't incredible. Skin. Right, need a little help with the tone. <laughs> so I, I, I've gone out of my way to try to, to screw these up. I'll put, you know, not, but I, you know, I'll put any head on. I'm a Remo guy, so I, I'm putting anything on it. All kinds of stuff from black dots to to mm. uh, 
emperors, ambassadors, uh, mm. suede. I tried everything. They all sound great for different uh, reasons on these drums. That is not always the case with drums. Um, I don't know if it even needs to be, but I, I just can't believe it. Uh, mm. um, and I'm not a technical tuner. I'll put a head on and pull it up, get the wrinkles out of it, and it yeah. should sound good. Um, yeah. These are incredible. So how's that for a commercial for Sakai? That, that's, that's pretty good, like, right? You know what? We have one at the beginning of this episode, it's, but uh, that's that's pretty good. It's the real deal. Can, yeah, it's yeah. the real deal. Well, it, and yeah. we thought get a little drum geekage in there. Since yeah, we were yeah you got to get a little bit in there. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't go yeah. too deep down that hole, you know, yeah. uh, unless we're sitting at my kitchen table, like Trey and I are sitting at the kitchen table, yeah. scaring my wife out of the, out of the room with, <laughs> with like nerd talk, but a uh, super fun. We're sitting at my dining room. Same table, thing. Which hardly gets used for that. I like it. But man, I appreciate you making the trip over here. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate Good to see it. you too, Good man. To see you, man. It's been too long. This is great. Thanks. Thanks. So there you go. There was Kevin Rapillo. I appreciate him giving us that perspective uh, in the auditioning process. From the other side, we've discussed this many times, uh, auditioning and the process of auditioning, but uh, having someone as a band leader uh, dealing with auditioning, uh, other players, and um, two things to take away. It's, uh, it's never fun for anybody, uh, but it, it also is an opportunity to meet people, and uh, it, it's just good to do. Even if you don't want the gig, sometimes if those opportunities pop up, it's just good practice. And you just, you never know what could come out of it. My thanks always to Mike Jackson for his technical help. Let's check in with Zach and find out who he's got next week. Hello? Hey, Zach. How's it going? Matt, how you doing, man? I'm good, dude. Uh, we are checking with you to see who you got coming up next week. Yeah, next week is uh, another Kansas City drummer, I'm pleased to say, uh, Jan Faircloth. Um, Jan has been a fixture on the Kansas City blues scene uh, for a long time now. And uh, I know in past interviews uh, with like Ryan Lee and John Kazilla, we've, we've talked about the Kansas City jazz scene quite a bit. Um, but the blues scene there is uh, just as vibrant and just as killing. Uh, and Jan has, has really been at the center of it for a long time. Um, it was a great conversation because, you know, I, I, I talked with Ed Breckenfeld about the Chicago blues thing. I right. talked with uh, Michael Buffy a little bit about the Texas blues thing. Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of working my way around the, the regions blues wise. And me and Jan had a, a great conversation about about Kansas City blues and the groups that he's played with there, including uh, Levytown and uh, Trampled Underfoot, which, who was the International Blues Challenge winner a few years back. Uh, so yeah, it's a great, great talk. You know, it, it, that sounds really familiar. I feel like I just read an article in the Smithsonian about the whole blues. Is it was there some sort of a competition in Memphis? Was that? Yeah, it's, it's a yearly thing, I believe. It's the International yeah. Blues Challenge. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's quite a star maker in the in the blues world. That's cool. um, the the band the band that I play with now, Delta Moon, won the International Blues Challenge in two thousand three, I think. Um, and uh, I know I know various other artists and drummers and bands who have uh, either won that competition or done very well in it, and and you know, kind of put them on the on the blues map, uh, really in an international way. Yeah. You know, sometime uh, you should interview the drummer for Delta Moon. That would be really cool. People might want to... No, that guy's a hack. He's a total hack. I, well, I don't know <laughs> it is. Well, cool, dude. Um, <laughs> well, uh, uh, looking forward to that. Cool. Thanks, man.
man. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks again, everyone, for your support and listening. We've got a lot of cool things coming up uh, as the year goes on. So uh, keep in touch, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.